0: Pastor Steve's worship set this morning is on point. Woo! That one one line just caught my attention this morning of of how we continue to sing, but one day we will see Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, face to face. Keep thinking about that. That's going to be a good one. I can't even describe that. Praise God. All right, let's get together this morning. If you're new to our church, or maybe you're just visiting, or you haven't been here in a while, or you're, you're not a part of a discipling community yet, let me get you caught up. We're in the book of Hebrews, and this book is awesome. This book is awesome. The writer of the, Hebrew, of the Hebrews is passionate about Jesus, and he's speaking to a Jewish audience. And I have to say, if he was here today, I would have to say we'd be besties. Like, we would, we would have t-shirts, we'd have a secret handshake. This guy loves Jesus more than Fred. Like, th- oh. this guy is all about making sure that God's people know and understand the truth so that they are in the right way, the right relationship with the Almighty King. Woo! Pastor Rick has been talking to us about Hebrews for probably about a year behind the scenes in our pastoral meeting our pastoral meetings, he's telling us, boys, get, get this book in your heart, get reading this book, because it's all about Jesus, and we need to be thinking about this, because I'm going to be preaching it. The book has 13 chapters, and our team has been working through each chapter, and today, we're going to look at chapter 9. We're going to make our way through that, and then discuss it tonight in our small group. All of our content is online. Every sermon, if if you missed a sermon, Pastor Rick's sermons are online through our website. But you can also check it out on our Facebook page. Hit the like, and then you'll have updates of what's going on. So you'll find even today's sermon on our Facebook page. So let's talk about the book. The book of Hebrews compares and contrasts Jesus to key historical people and events in the Old Testament. Through these comparisons, we see his superiority. He is greater than angels. He is greater than Moses. He is greater. He's a, a greater leader to a better promised land. He, he is more powerful than priest. Melchizedek sacrifices. And then last week, Pastor Rick, if you caught his sermon, if you haven't, go listen to it. It's awesome. It's on point too. He was talking about the perfect sacrifice of the old covenant. God, Jesus, is God's word, the hope for a new creation, our eternal priest, and he is the perfect sacrifice. This is our Lord that we're talking about. Throughout the book, the preacher is challenging the Jewish audience and us here today to remain faithful to Jesus and follow, despite hardship and persecution. That's why it's called Hold On, or Hang In, Hold On, because we as God's people... we are going to face some trials, we are going to face some hardship, we are going to face some persecution, and it's super important that we know and understand the cross, we know and understand what Jesus has done for us, because when those moments appear, we're going to be challenged, and if we don't know God's word, and if we don't know the truth about Jesus, we're going to, we want, we'll want to let go, we won't want to hang on, but that's why it's important, and that's why the, the author of the Hebrew, write, the Hebrew book is saying, guys, Get focused on Jesus. He is greater. These challenges in life will make us uncomfortable, but instead of fearing them, remember that rejecting Jesus is just foolish. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God's love and mercy, and He is worthy of all of our trust and devotion. On the screen, you're going to see a comparison and contrast chart that was developed, made by Dave and I in our graphics department, but developed by the Bible Project Guys. They're amazing. You should check them out. They're on YouTube. We we are comparison i'm going to go through a comparison and a and the w means a warning so the author is giving us statements but he's also given us warnings he's given us warnings if we miss the boat on this it's going to be we're going to be in trouble and today in our preaching and and, and what's being presented we're going to present the truth but there is a warning as well so jesus versus angels is found in verses one and uh chapters one and two jesus is superior to the angels who delivered the torah god's word to the israelites and all other messages here's the warning in that if jesus is greater than angels we need to pay attention to his message we need to pay attention to his word chapter 3 and 4 pastor rick preached a sermon on this jesus versus moses in the promised land if you think about jesus in comparison jesus leads his people like moses led the israelites warning do not rebel like the israelites Did and lose out on God's gracious offer to enter into the new creation. We move on from chapters 5 to 7 and we see Jesus being compared to priests in Melchizedek. Morally flawless, Jesus is the ultimate priest and mediator between humans and God. Here's the warning. Instead of rejecting him, accept him and be fully reconciled to God. And then chapters 8 through 10, Jesus versus sacrifice and covenant and we're going to be camped out a little bit here today and pastor Rick will pick it up next week as well. Jesus' death on the cross was a permanent sacrifice, but here's the warning. He died once for all. So accept his gracious offer of forgiveness. Praise the Lord. Couple of instructions for us this morning. One, I hope you brought your Bible. Did you did you bring it? Let's get that out. It's all about God's word. So that's where we're going to start. So get your Bibles out and turn to Hebrews 9. We're going to be in the chapter, that chapter today. So that's the first thing. second thing is I'm going to ask you to close your eyes as we pray. So close your eyes and take a deep breath. And as I pray for our time, I'm going to ask you a question. or I'm going to ask you to do something. Ask God to deposit a deep understanding in your heart of Jesus who he is and what he's done. That we would not take for granted this moment to open up our hearts and our minds to learn about the great sacrifice that was paid on our behalf so that we could commune with the living Lord. Father, we love you. We just sit in silence for a moment before you. But inwardly, we're praying to you. God, I pray that you would bend your ear to the prayers being offered here today. Will we be, would you just set this, this moment aside so that we can meet with you by the power of the Holy Spirit and the declaration of your word, God? Will we be changed? God, we, as Pastor Rick said in his prayer, we can't do this without you. And God, I pray that there would not just be information cha- exchanged here, but that we would truly know and understand what ha- Jesus has done for us. God, will you open up our hearts now? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to be at Hebrews 9, 11 through 15, and I'm going to ask you one, one more thing. I'm a very needy today. I'm a needy guy. I'm going to ask that we would stand for the reading of God's Word. It's important. It's holy. Fred was up in two seconds. Oh, cool. <laughs> Hebrews 9, 11. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most high place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Amen. The blood of goats and bulls and ashes of heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanses our conscience from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God for this reason Christ is the mediator of the new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant may God add a blessing to the reading of his word you may be seated As we gather today and as we look, as we peer into God's Word in chapter 9 of Hebrews, the Hebrew preacher is telling us two things. He's telling us, one, the Old Covenant and New Covenant are pointing out something about sin. The second thing he's showing us is the Old Covenant and New Covenant are pointing out something about God. So those two things, something about sin and something about God. And I think it's super important that we know and understand these two things and apply them to our lives so that we will fully know how to commune with God. On your screen you'll see a picture of the tabernacle. This was the Israelite community as Jesus or as God led the Israelites, out of Egypt. He gave them the commands, the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, and then they set up camp. And in the picture, you'll see the tabernacle is right in the middle. It's the nucleus of the community. And as you can see, 3, 3, 3, 3, these are the 12 tribes of the community of God's people. So they're set up there. And every day, the priests would get up and they would serve the Lord day in and day out. They 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 would have sacrifice every day. See, the Jewish audience understood the point of the tabernacle. They understood that the old covenant law and that sin was an issue. You see, the law pointed out to people that their sins needed to be dealt with, and the only way that sin could be really dealt with was through sacrifice, through atonement. I'm going to come back to that word in a little bit. But when you think about the community, you think about the people gathering there, their sin was an issue. It was like a spiritual vandalism causing damage to both the person and God, their relationship, but it was also in the community affecting other people. Sin was a problem. Think of the garden. Think of the perfect relationship that God had set up with Adam and Eve and God. They were in communion. But then when sin entered the picture, it was a vandalism to the relationship. Something needed to be done. Something had changed. Sin was in the way, and God was not going to allow the people, his people, his chosen people, who were supposed to show the nations that there is a real, true God in Israel, to just go about their day and not deal with the sin issue. He put the tabernacle right in the middle of the community, like a a neon sign in Times Square, saying to show everyone that we have a sin problem. We have a sin problem. And God was not going to let us off the hook for it. He brought them out of G- Egypt and gave them the commands, all pointing to the broken relationship with the gar- in the garden. Through the sin of one man, we know the whole race fell. But here's the cool thing about this picture. We have a God that is not absent. He's willing and he is doing all that he can to get our attention to make sure that we know that sin is important to, and it needs to be dealt with. It's deadly, and God in this picture is within the center of his people pointing this out. Just looking at this picture, you could see, I don't know if it's just the artist, the way it was done, but it looks like a cross to me. It looks like a cross, because it was all pointing to the cross that would come. God is not absent. He is in the middle of the camp. He is in the middle of the people to show that there is a huge sin issue. I'm not going to let it go. Purification is needed for the sins. Laura, did you see Steve's new horse? It's such a great horse. He already has two horses. I don't know why he needs three horses. You know what I could do if I had just one horse? If I had just one horse, I wish I had just one horse. Look, I could, look what I could do with one horse. I could ride it. I could hook it up to a wagon. uh, uh, I could wear cowboy boots like Jordan does sometimes. He always looks good in his cowboy boots. What, woman? I'm trying to covet my neighbor's property. No. No, I did sin. I was just joking. (laughs) I don't even like horses. (laughs) Steve who? (laughs) Nick, you sinned. And now we need to go to the center of town with one of our best animals to offer its life because you broke God's law. There needs to be payment for your sin. It is not a joke. God was saying that sin is a serious issue but did the people fully know or understand it? Or did they know or understand the wrath that was being held back? Sometimes we don't know know or understand the real consequences of our sin and how it affects God, how it affects other people. He cares about our sin issues. And your just joking comment that I just did, that's not going to cut it. It's not a big deal. Justification won't do. You see, their sin and your sin and my sin, it needs to be dealt with. We often know what sin is, but do we, often, do we ever think about how sinful we, are, we really are? That it goes deeper than just an action, but it's at the core of who we are. And we need to think about that. And the Hebrew preacher begins in chapter 9 of the earthly tabernacle, and he recounts the process of the setting up the tent and the duties of the priest, and in 9.9 he states it, something that we need to know and understand. He says this, he says, there, this is an illustration of the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They're only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the end, uh, until the time of the new order. We have a deep-seated core issue, and we're really good at trying to cover it up. We're really good at trying to to mask it. And Jesus actually was preaching a pretty intense sermon to some Pharisees in Matthew 23. He says he says seven woes, but I'm just going to give a couple. He says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Woo! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You should, you're blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. He goes on and says, "'Woe to, te- to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish and then wash the outside so it may be clean.'" He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. In the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus was saying this to the, the teachers of the law. He says, guys, people are really good at covering up things with how good they offer things to God, good, how, how good we dress how good we justify our actions. But on the inside, we really need to think about this. There is a, a sin issue at our core. And Jesus is going to deal with it. The Hebrew preacher brings the ultimate warning. This is the climax of the book. See, these rituals is reminding you that you are a sinner, and I still see your sin. The system brings neither sanctification to your soul, nor the fulfillment of God's peace in the inner life of the worshiper. See, these bulls and heifers and the sprinkling, they're not saving you or changing you. They're pouring out something about you. Sin, you are in trouble. My wrath is full. Your soul is in trouble. You need help. This is not about wanting your neighbor's stuff. This is about me saying, deep inside of you, there's a sickness. And you keep trying to cover it up or self-diagnose it or just run away from it. And I'm I'm about to flip the script on this so that you will really know me. I am providing a new way, a new covenant, and I'm going to give you my son once for all sin to eradicate the deep sin issues. Hallelujah. This is what the Hebrew writer is talking about when he says Jesus has come. He's come on purpose because he wants to make a new way for us to, to be in communion with God. You need forgiveness. You need sanctification, and when we look at the old tabernacle system, the animal sacrifice was pointing out the sin issue. But now God was bringing the sin solution, purification, atonement. We need to know these words so that we can go back to the to the script, go back to the scriptures, and look at it and really fully understand what Jesus did for us. Now I'm going to give you a warning. I'm going to use a bunch of big words. And usually sometimes, not me, not me, Pastor Rick, I always pay attention, but sometimes when we hear big theological words, we check out. I'm asking you, please don't check out on me. These are key words for us as Christians, and we need not to just know the words, but understand the complex theology. So I want to give an illustration. I once heard a pastor give an illustration of some key core theology words in the Christian faith, and he compared them, he compared them to going on a trip and packing, it, packing a suitcase. Let's just say you're going on a trip for seven days, you pack, your, pack your pants and your shirt and got your toothbrush, hopefully, and you're getting everything into this suitcase. And if you're like my family or if you're like my wife, there'll be a moment while, while she's packing everything, I'll hear, Nick! What? Come sit on the suitcase so I can zip everything in it so we don't have to pay the extra money and we can stuff it in the overhead bin. You know you do it. These words, purification, atonement, propitiation, they're like that. They're like a tightly packed bag. The goal is to pack it tight so that you can take it somewhere quickly, but you would never go on vacation and then leave your suitcase in a corner. You open it up, you get your pants out, you brush your teeth, you actually use what's in there. So this morning, let's pack up a bag. We here at Calvary want to pack up these words so that you know them, but that you can take them with you and not leave them in the pew like we do the bulletin sometimes. We want you to take the bag and unpack it in your life group, in your discipleship group. That's why doing life together is so important. We preach in the morning, but then we we look at it at night carefully and apply it to our lives. So let's pack a bag. Our first statement that I want to share with us is, when we look at Hebrews 9, what the author is, is trying to tell us is, we need a relationship repair. Repair. We need atonement. And if you break it out, an at one minute, When we look at the word purification, it actually, when defined, re- actually means the removal of contaminants from something. Pastor Rick, a couple weeks ago, right before our Bible study at night, or our, our small group at night, he said, guys, I want you to make sure that you are always interpreting Scripture with Scripture, not by feeling, or what you think is right, or what you thought a pastor said. Look at God's Word, and then apply it with God's Word. Match it up with other words. Apply Scripture, interpret Scripture with Scripture. Now, when we look at the word purification, I want to look at it in a context from the scripture. And if we go to 1 John 1, 5, we're going to read a little bit about purification and what it really means in comparison to the Hebrews 9 text of why Jesus came. Let's do that now. 1 John, it's almost at the end. New Testament. This is the message we have heard from him. Who's him? Who is this? Is Jesus and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship, relationship with him, yet we walk in the darkness, we lie, and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood, key for a key word, of Jesus, only Jesus' blood, his son, what does it do? Purifies. If you look back at the definition, to remove contaminants from something. It purifies, purifies us from what? Sin. We need purification. We need to go through a purification process. This goes, just, goes beyond just telling, but gives us the solution. We have a heart issue. We have a sin problem. We need purification. Here's the solution. Jesus. If we claim to be without sin which we can't, think tabernacle in the middle of the city, saying, pointing out you have a sin problem, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify, Another to remove contaminants from, purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Pastor John goes on and says, my dear children, love that, that is solid pastoral language right there. I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Rick taught us that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, praying for us, holding back His wrath so that we can have a true, right relationship. That's biblical, it says right there. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Here's the connection back to Hebrews 9. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but the sins of the whole world. We need a relationship repair. You see, we need help, and God knew that. He was setting up the purification process that would go beyond just the outside, but would fix the soul. The soul sickness i like to say we have a soul sickness that is contaminated with sin from the fall ever since adam the whole race has been born with something called endemic depravity it's born into us as we are all sinners by birth in birth before we're born our heart needs to be pure to be in the presence of god See, we need this relationship repair. We need the vandalism, the spiritual vandalism to be cleared away. And the only way that you can be purified, the only way is by the purification of the blood of Jesus Christ, who is the living sacrifice. Three times Pastor John shares with love that Christ purifies. He removes the contamination of sin from our lives. So when we know and understand that the purification process needs to happen, then we jump back into our actual text of Hebrews 9, and it says, when Jesus came, this is why he came. Verse 12 says, he entered into the most holy place by his own blood, having attained eternal redemption. See, this wonderful truth is perhaps most clearly illustrated by the Old Testament Day of Atonement, or by another word called Yom Yom Kippur. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but yeah, okay, I get a nod. Yom Kippur, which was the holiest day of the year. On this day, the sin problem between God and the people was dealt with. To, To represent the sinlessness of Jesus who was coming as the perfect substitutionary sacrifice, two healthy goats were chosen without defect. They took one goat and they sacrificed it. They killed it. They slaughtered it as a sin offering. And we know from Hebrews 9.22, if we jump down a little bit, we know that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So they take the first goat and they offer it as a sin offering. The goat represents propitiation and foreshadowing of the cross that was coming of Jesus, where the wrath of God was satisfied through the death as penalty for sin. So that's the first goat. Then they take another goat, and then the high priest acting as a representative and mediator between spiritual people and their holy God, they would take this second goat and they would lay their hands on the animal while confessing the sins of the people. They would take this goat, they called it the scapegoat, and they would send it away and let it run free in the wilderness, symbolically taking the sin with it. Now, we have a a theological word. We call this the doctrine of expiation, whereby our sin is expiated or taken away. So we are made clean through Jesus. This is the purification process. Jesus, who is our scapegoat. And when we go back to our text, the Hebrew audience who is listening to the preacher preach understood the process from Hebrews 9. The preacher is preaching atonement and purification by Jesus. These two theological words are super important to this text. But how does it apply to us? Okay, it says there he's telling them, but what does that mean for us? Well, it means on the cross, Jesus dealt with the sin that stains our soul. Jesus both forgives our sin at the cross and cleanses us from our sin that we have committed. And he is taking that shame upon himself. See, The tabernacle, which was the nucleus or the center of the community in the Old Testament, is the same thing that we bring in through the cross. So the Christian church needs to rally around the cross of Christ, needs to rally around Jesus, needs to rally around the gospel. Not just know it, but understand it and apply it. Pastor Rick prayed that we would know and understand and apply the the finished work of Christ to our lives. We have to know it. See, Jesus reaches inside of our souls and purifies us. This is declared in Hebrews 9, 14. How much more than will the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleaning, cleansing our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we are able to serve the living God. We should be able to, not just able, we should be sickened by sin. We should know and understand the cross so much that when temptation comes to us, and I know this this is a growing process for us in our sanctification, but we should get to the point when temptation comes, we think of the cross of Christ. We think of his sacrifice. We think of nails being driven through his hands. And we think, I'm sick. I don't want to do this. I don't want that. And I know many of us aren't there yet, but that's the process. That we can live and serve the true living God. We as the church need to rally around the gospel, rally around the cross. Yeah, you heard this message, but guess what? You're going to keep hearing it. Until Jesus returns, we're going to preach faithfully the cross of Christ and what it actually means. The cross of Christ is effective for our heart issue. See, a remedy affecting the conscience. Now we can fix our minds and hearts on the author and perfecter. It's not just about taking a heifer, Lord, I sinned, let's grab a goat. Hey, Bob, how you doing? How's your sheep? Good? All right, we're going to the temple. Yeah, we're sinners. Oh, I'm back. We're good. It's more than that. It's now that we can fix our eyes and offer on the the perfecter of our faith. When we deal with hardship and persecution, we can think, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for me. Jesus is gonna sustain me through this moment. Jesus said he would never leave me or forsake me. In Romans, he said that well, nothing will be able to separate us before, before the love of God. This is what the cross does for us it affects our conscience. It's a remedy offering forgiveness. We see this in verse 9 through 11 through 14 forgiveness. We are truly free. When I say I'm free in Christ, I'm free indeed. I don't have to look back. I know that God will take it from me. If I'm true, not playing games with the Holy Spirit, I'm just saying, laying it down truthfully. God, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to be. I don't know how to get there. Will you lead me by your Spirit? Let's take a step together. I'm not going back that way. I don't want that in my life. I want you in my life. I only need you. Forgiveness is there because of the cross. And the craziest, awesomest, most, I don't know how to describe it in comparison to the Old Testament, to the New Testament, is the cross of Christ. The atonement of Christ needs no repeating. It's done. It is finished. And it's available. And the Hebrew preacher wanted us to know two things about the sin and the cross of Christ. Without the cross... We have some serious problems. And in your bulletin, you should have got a handout sheet or a fill in the blank sheet with four problems that we have without the cross of Christ, without the atonement, without the purification. We have four issues that you need to think about today. Number one, our first problem without the cross, we deserve to die as a penalty for sin. We deserve to die as a penalty for sin. Here's the amazing thing about our God. He addresses the problems. He gives us solutions. So there is a solution for that problem. And the solution is sacrifice. To pay the penalty of death that we deserve because of our sins, Christ died as a sacrifice for us. Hebrews 9.26 says, He appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. We deserve to die, but Jesus died in our place. Problem number two, we deserve to bear God's wrath against sin. Solution, big word, propitiation, to remove us from the wrath we deserve, Christ died as a propitiation for our sins. That's pretty intense when you think about it. The wrath of God being poured out on me. And Jesus says, no. I got this. How do you even fathom that? Like, I, we sang it this morning. His grace Will we understand truly this side of heaven, His grace, fully? What it has done and what it, it continues to do? Scripture, 1 John 4, 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He has loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Our third problem. We are separated from God by our sin. We are separated from God by our sin. Solution. He provides a solution. Reconciliation. To overcome our separation from God, we needed someone to provide reconciliation and thereby, therefore, thereby bring us back into fellowship with God. Scripture 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself And gave us this ministry of reconciliation so that we would tell others that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting them to us the message of reconciliation. We are separated from God by our sin. And the fourth problem that we have without the cross of Christ is this. We are in bondage to sin and to the kingdom of Satan. But God has provided a solution. And the word is redemption. And the true word is Jesus. Because we as sinners are in bondage to sin and to Satan. We need someone to provide redemption and therefore thereby redeem us out of bondage. And when we speak of this word redemption, the idea of ransom comes into view. A ransom is a price paid to redeem someone from bondage or captivity. Scripture, Mark ten forty-five. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We have some issues without the cross. If you have not surrendered your life to Christ, you have some issues. Hebrews 9 15, for this reason, Christ is the mediator. Of the new covenant. Right there, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has come, He has come on a mission for us. He has provided a way to deal with the deep rooted sin issue that we love to cover up. So, what do we do? The covenants are telling us something about sin. We have a sin issue that needs to be dealt with. The covenants are telling us something about God. He is not absent and He is not blind. He has made a way for us to be purified, to live the purified, atoned life, now and for eternity. So what happens to us when this stuff is presented to us? Do we just kind of, yeah, that's good. Let's go out the door. But is there a takeaway to all this? Because this is what the Hebrew writer is trying to get the, 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 the audience, the Jewish people to understand that Jesus is superior. He is better. He is better. He is bigger than everything that we think we can do on our own. So, what's the takeaway? I got four R's. The first one is we need to respond. When we look at Hebrews 9, information like this doesn't just allow us to listen and leave, it causes us to listen and respond. If Jesus is not the mediator between you and the wrath of God, you will be accountable to God. He will deal with the sin in your life in two ways. One, by his wrath, or two, by the way of atonement. If you hear this message and you are without Christ, you need to respond. If you hear this message and you're in Christ, but you're also in a bunch of sin, you need to respond and confess your sin based on what we learned in 1 John He is a mediator between us and the Father. We can come to Him. The second thing, the second R as a takeaway for us this morning is we need to remember. Pastor Rick led us in a beautiful communion service last week. And we could easily transition now into remembering the inauguration of the new covenant through through the blood of Jesus, our Savior. We do communion once a month as a church, but we need to be remembering every day the new covenant and then responding. God, thank you for your love and your grace today. Thank you for waking me up. I know that your mercies are new for me today. I know that I am a sinner and I will be tempted and I will be tempted to to act on that sin. God, I need your help today. Not only do I need your help, I need Jesus to lead me, but I know Jesus is interceding for me with the Father. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he is doing. God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will you lead me today? In your name, amen. Every time before your feet hit the ground, you're praying that. Let's do life together, God. I'm remembering what you've done in the new covenant. The third R is we need to refocus. Just like God's chosen people in the wilderness with the tabernacle, we we too need to set up our church community in a specific way. God put the Ten of Meetings in the middle and then surrounded the Ten of Meetings with the community. We need to put the cross in the middle of our church. Side note, the cross is in there. We need to put the cross in the middle of our church. And we need to think about the cross every day. We need to be a people of God that are reminding each other of the visual reminder of the cross Thinking about the cross, talking about the cross, talking about the gospel, talking about what Jesus has done. Not only in our church, but in our lives and in our families and how we lead and how we work and how we love all needs to be saturated by the realities of the cross. I have been given new life in Christ and now reform to how I live needs to be displayed. And the final R. It's a beautiful one, it's one I love. We need to rejoice. Amen. We need to rejoice in the new covenant. We have the promise of forgiveness of sins, access to God through Jesus, promised eternal life, promised power by the Holy Spirit, promised prayer and intercession, intercession personally by Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Word, the church to gather in the sacraments of baptism by immersion. And the bread and the cup, the ability to worship, all made for us by Jesus. He made the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We need to rejoice every Sunday. But every day, every moment, we are free in Jesus. And the question is, are you free? Because you can be free atonement, purification, the cross. It all makes sense when you know and understand that and then you go back to the verse and you read this. When Christ came, he came as a high priest. Of the good things that were already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say not a part of this creation, and he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most high, most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. He has the power to redeem. Not just out of the moment that you're in, out of the circumstance that you're in, out of the predicament that you're in. He can help with that, but he cares much more than that. He thinks eternity we think in the moment. See the blood of goats and the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of hef- heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they were outwardly clean. But how much more than does, does the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanses our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we, we may serve the living God. He fixes the heart, stone of heart gone. Stone of flesh gone, renews our minds so that we will focus on him, so that we have access to him, so that we can live lives different and serve him. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called, us, those who are called, may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant, we are free you can be free. The cross of Christ is available. The atonement of Christ is for us. If you hear this, do not harden your heart. Turn to the living God and be free. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for each and every person that is here. Thank you for Hebrews. Thank you for the excitement of the preacher that is so consumed by Jesus. God, help us to be like that. So that not only we will know and understand what you have done in the new covenant, but that we will tell people about this good news. That we will reform our lives around the cross, around the gospel. When we're in trouble, when we're hurting, when we're in pain, We can run to your word and apply it. God, thank you that your word is living and it it is true. And God, I pray for those who are not in you now. I pray even at this moment, if people are turning their hearts to you, that you would meet them there, forgiving their sins, offering new life, new life now and new life to come. Thank you for saving us. In the name of Christ, I pray, Amen. amen. What a great reminder. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing thought. We are not powerless because God gives us the power to overcome, but it's only in Him. John Calvin wrote these words. He says that true wisdom consists in two things. He says, one, the knowledge of God. So we as God's people should not ever stop thinking and knowing, wanting to know more about God. We should be hungry for God's word. So that's the first thing, knowledge of God. And he says, knowledge of self. We should be self-aware of the things that are going on inside of us. And we, ke- we need to keep running to the cross because the cross has the answer. Jesus is the answer. Amen. But the danger is we stop thinking about us. And I'm not saying in a prideful way, But I'm talking about the things that are going on the inside of us that we need to continue to hand over to God in our sanctification process. So let's be wise about those things. Let's think about what's going on on the inside and present them to Jesus. And let's never, ever, ever give up on the Word of God. Amen. I hope you have a blessed day. See you tonight for small groups, discipleship groups.